0: Welcome to Puritan's Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 13 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead. Number three, a man may pray and yet love sin. Austin, Before Conversion, prayed against his sin, but was afraid God should hear him and take him at his word, now God does not hear such prayers. If I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear my prayer. Number four, a man may pray much for temporal things and little for spiritual things, and such are the prayers of most men crying out most for temporal things. More for, who will show us any good than for, Lord, lift upon us the light of thy countenance. David copies out the prayer of such, that our sons may be as plants, and that our daughters may be as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace, that our garners may be full etc. Happy is the people that is in such a case. This is the carnal prayer, and this David calls vanity. They are strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity. Number five. A man may pray and yet be far from God in prayer. This people draw nigh to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me. A man may pray and yet have no heart in prayer, and that God chiefly looks at. My son, give me thy heart. The Jews have this sentence written upon the walls of their synagogues. Prayer without the intention of the mind is but a body without a soul. It is not enough to be conscionable to use prayer, but we must be conscionable to the use of prayer. Many are so conscientious that they dare not but pray, and yet are so irreligious that they have no heart in prayer. A common work of God may make a man conscionable to do duties, but nothing less than divine grace in the heart will make a man conscionable in the doing of them. Number six, a man's prayer may be a lie. As a profession without sanctity is a lie to the world, so prayer without sincerity is a lie to God. It is said of Israel that they sought God and inquired early after him they were much in prayer and God called all but a lie nevertheless they did flatter him with their mouths and they lied to him with their tongues for their heart was not with him David said hearken to my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips number seven affliction And the pressure of outward evils will make a man pray and pray much. When he slew them, then they sought him and returned and inquired early after God. The heathen mariners called every man upon his God when in a storm. When they feared drowning, then they fell to praying. Jonah one five. Mariners are, for the most part, none of the devoutest, nor much addicted to prayer. They will swear twice when they pray once, and yet it is said, they cry to the Lord in their trouble. Hence you have a proverb, He who cannot pray, let him go to the sea. They poured out a prayer when the chastening was upon them. Now then, if nature may put a man upon prayer, If a man may pray in pretense and design, if a man may pray and yet love sin, if a man may pray mostly for temporal things, if a man may pray and yet be far from God in prayer, if prayer may be a lie or only the cry of the soul under affliction, surely then a man may be much in prayer and yet be but almost a Christian. Objection. But suppose a man prays and prevails with God in prayer. Surely that is a witness from heaven of a man's sincerity in prayer. I pray and prevail. I ask and am answered. Answer. A man may pray and be answered, for God many times answers prayers in judgment. As God is sometimes silent in mercy, so he speaks in wrath. As he sometimes denies prayer in mercy, so he sometimes answers in judgment. When men are over-importunate in something their lusts are upon and will take no nay, then God answers in judgment. He gave them their own desire. They desired quails, and God sent them, but now mark the judgment. While the meat was in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew them. Objection. But suppose a man's affections are much stirred in prayer. What then? Is that not a true note of Christianity? My affections are much stirred in prayer. Answer. So were Esau's when he sought the blessing. He sought it carefully with tears. A man may be affected with his own parts in a duty, while good notions pass through his head and good words through his lips. Some good notions also may stir in his heart, but they are but sparks which fly out at the tunnel of the chimney, which suddenly vanish so that it is possible that a man may pray and prevail in prayer, pray and be affected in prayer, and yet be but almost a Christian. Section 8. A man may suffer for Christ in his goods, in his name, and in his person, and yet be but almost a Christian. Every man that bears Christ's cross on his shoulders does not, therefore, bear Christ's image in his soul. Objection. But does not our Lord Christ make great promises to those who suffer or lose anything for him Does he not say, everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life? Surely they are true Christians to whom Christ makes this promise. Answer There is a suffering for Christ that is a note of sincerity and shall have its reward. That is, when a man suffers for a good cause, upon a good call, and with a good conscience for Christ's sake and in Christ's strength, when his sufferings are a filling up that which is behind of the sufferings of Christ, when a man suffers as a Christian, Let him not be ashamed when a man thrusts not himself into sufferings, but stays God's call. Such suffering is a proof of integrity. But now, every suffering for Christ is not suffering as a Christian for. A man may suffer for Christ, for that profession of religion that is upon him. The world Hates the show of religion. Times may come that it may cost a man as dearly to wear the livery of Christ as to wear Christ himself. Alexander, as is generally judged, afterwards made shipwreck of faith and greatly opposed Paul's ministry. A man may suffer for Christ and yet have no true love to Christ. This is supposed. Though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits nothing. Love to Christ is the only noble ground of suffering, but a man may suffer much upon other ends. Number one, out of opinion of meriting by our sufferings as the papists, or number two, out of vainglory or for applause among professors. Some have died that their names might live. Or number three, out of a Roman resolution or stoutness of spirit. Number four, out of a design of profit, Judas forsook all for Christ, hoping to mend his market by closing with him. Or Number five, rather to maintain an opinion than for truth's propagation. Socrates died for maintaining that there was but one God. But whether he died rather for his own opinion than for God's sake, I think, is no hard matter to determine. Thus, a man may suffer for professing Christ, and yet suffer upon wrong principles. Now then, if a man may suffer for Christ from the profession that is upon him, then a man may suffer for Christ and yet be but almost a Christian. This concludes episode 13 of the Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead.